I'm fairly confident that science is going to solve cancer, maybe not in the next five years, but soon. And when they do, then I'll be back. Summer hack. I was like trapped inside my body. The most fascinating stories from 2016. It's just so taboo. With Tom Tilly. What if I told you that there's a way to come back to life after you die? In 2016, Hack took a look at cryonics, which is aiming to do exactly that. The idea is that you're frozen after you die, and then once they've got a cure for whatever killed you, maybe two or 300 years from now, scientists might be able to revive you. And if there's anyone you'd want to be reanimated, uh, it would be Hack reporter Stephen Stockwell. Stocky, I'd love to see you in the future at some point. Oh, look, I'm keen if you are, Tom. <laughs> All right, well, you spoke to Australians who want to start freezing their bodies. Before we get into whether this will actually work, would you do it? Would you get chronically frozen? Yeah, I think I probably would. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other things that I would need to sort of figure out first. I'm young and I'm probably not likely to die anytime soon. So uh, there's probably no rush for me to get involved in something like this. But the future fascinates me. And if there's a way that I could you know, extend my life and then also live that extended life somewhere in the future, then yeah, sure. Why not? I guess it's a question of how rich you get between now and the time you die. Exactly. As a journalist, (laughs) probably not very likely, but you never know. (laughs) All right. Well, several hundred people are frozen around the world right now. And there's a cryonics company starting right here in Australia. Stocky, you found out why people are wanting to do this. Let's check out the story. You can live twice. You know, or at least you can have the chance to live twice. Are you going to like give up that chance without even thinking about it? G'day, my name's Elliot Redelman and I'm 24 years old. You Only Live Twice is a really weird way to imagine mortality. But that's exactly what Elliot's planning on. All of the joy and pleasure and sadness and pain and experience I get from being alive, I don't get from being dead. So the more I can do of that, the better. Instead of being buried or burnt when he dies, Elliot plans to cryogenically freeze himself, so when there's a cure for whatever it is that killed him, he can be defrosted and brought back to life. He's not the only young person thinking about this. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's the voice of Kim Swosey, a 23-year-old who died from a brain tumour in 2013. Her brain is sitting in a bucket of liquid nitrogen in Alcor, a cryogenic facility in the US, one of just a handful worldwide. Kim planned this in the hope her consciousness can be recreated somehow in the future and told her story to the New York Times before she died. I think there's like a one or two percent chance of this working. So it's not like I'm counting on it, but I have a less than one percent chance of living, honestly. So put that next to one or two percent and it's definitely worth it. Whole body preservation is a pretty expensive process, costing almost a hundred grand. And Elliot is healthy, so he doesn't plan on signing up to a spot in a cryonics facility for another 10 years or so. Except if I found out I had a type of cancer and my prognosis didn't look good, I'd be sorting that out today. I'd be calling people up, making the contracts, getting myself in line and ready to be preserved. Because I, at this point, I'm fairly confident that science is going to solve cancer, maybe not in the next five years, but soon. And when they do, and when they solve the unfreezing as well, then I'll be back. Elliot just said something really important when they solve the unfreezing. Because even though there's a couple of hundred people cryogenically frozen around the world at the moment, we can't thaw them out. Well, the process of reviving someone, the technology for that does not exist. We are completely open about that. Bit of a downer, right? And this is coming from Matt Fisher, an engineer slash computer scientist and the secretary of Stasis Systems Australia. A startup company put together to build and run 
the first cryonic storage facility in the Southern Hemisphere. At the moment, this company is just Matt and the two founders, Peter Solakides and Mark Milton. They've just bought land to build their facility on near Holbrook in New South Wales and plan to start freezing people as soon as next year. The central crux of cryonics is that we can preserve people reasonably well at the moment. The technology to repair all the damage that someone incurs in that freezing process and whatever it was that killed them will hopefully be developed sometime in the future. It's a bit of a leap of faith. A leap of faith that Matt reckons will cost each person between eighty dollars and $90,000. So that gets them their suspension and then storage in perpetuity. So there are no ongoing costs after that point. The bulk of that money is, is put into investments and interest-bearing accounts in order for the income from that money to pay the ongoing storage costs of the uh, liquid nitrogen and administration and things. While 90 grand sounds like a lot, Matt expects it to be paid out from their customers' life insurance. As they pass away, a team pops them in an ice bath to bring down their body temperature, then replaces as much of their blood as they can. With cold saline solution and cryoprotectant, which is like a medical type of antifreeze that prevents ice crystal formation in the body. Then they're taken to stasis systems where they're chilled further and dropped into essentially a thermos. Except these ones are 10 feet high and about a metre and a half wide, immersed in liquid nitrogen, and that's how they will stay for however many years it takes for medical science to advance enough. Stasis Systems Australia have had a few hundred inquiries, but there are only 10 people who've signed on as foundation investors, ponying up 50 grand to secure their spot in the facility once it gets built. Matt is one of those people. When your alternative is either being cremated or buried, everyone pretty much agrees that those have zero chances of allowing you to be revived sometime in the future. So in that sense, cryonics is the best of the bad options. How confident are you that this will work? That when you die, you'll be frozen and you'll wake up 200 years, 300 years in the future? I'd give myself about even odds, I think, of um, seeing the other side of uh, a cryonic suspension. So you reckon the chances of this working are 50-50, even at this stage? Well, I don't often um, put numbers to it, but 50-50 seems like about a reasonable chance at this point. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! So there's definitely going to be culture shock. What we're talking about here is essentially the plot of Futurama. But let's say it works, that the science catches up and we can unfreeze the people we've frozen. They still have to deal with the fact they're now living potentially half a millennia in the future. Elliot Redelman, who we heard from earlier, reckons he can handle it. The world's going to be different. Maybe we'll all be completely happy. There'll be, you know, no famine, no hunger, no racism, none of these, you know, big world problems. Or maybe it'll still be there. Um, who knows? Uh, and that's the sort of thing you're going to have to prepare yourself to undergo when you wake up. This whole idea of waking up a few hundred years in the future, you're not scared of that? Was the first guy who flew a plane scared? Probably. Um, when, when they were breaking land speed records, were they scared? Probably. Yeah, I'm a little scared, but I'm also excited. I mean, everything can be different in, in ways I can't even imagine how. Um, it would be silly to let being scared stop me. Triple J, hack with Tom Tilly. That was 24-year-old Elliot Redelman speaking to Stephen Stockwell on why he wants to get frozen. Now, Stocky, what if you woke up in a time that you didn't like? Could you get refrozen again and wake up in a better time? 
Look, potentially, but you know it is a pretty expensive process. So you're looking at sort of a hundred hundred odd grand to to get frozen and then potentially reanimated sometime in the future. So you'd have to find that money again to get re you know reanimated later. Um, when you sign up to these things, though, you do kind of put in a bunch of sort of conditions on when you would like to be woken up. So I imagine you could probably write in there, "I would like to be woken up at a time when humans aren't considered slaves and we've been taken <laughs> over by some alien race." But you can also have stuff in there like, "Oh, look, I want you to wake me up at a time when you know." you can take out the, the cancer in my brain completely and, you know, you leave me with 98% of my cognitive ability or, you know, 80% of my cognitive ability or something like that. So you, you get to choose. Um, that said, they're still working on exactly how they can reanimate people anyway. So you might not get a huge amount of choice as to what you come back with. All right. Well, look, all of this might not happen. Some say it's more sci-fi than science. After we played this story on the radio, we got Matt Fisher, who you just heard from. Uh, he's the secretary of Australia's first planned chronic storage facility. And we put him up against physicist Professor Gary Bryant from RMIT, who reckons reanimating frozen people is completely implausible. Now, Matt, your father has actually had his brain frozen. Is that what inspired you to get into this business? Well, um, concern for my parents is certainly one of the things that inspired me to look into cryonics in the first place because hopefully uh, medical technology will advance enough by the time I get to their age that um, it'll already be able to help me live a lot longer. But uh, for people of the older generation, they, they may not have that opportunity. So cryonics is uh, a better option for them than burial or cremation. Now, Gary, you're very sceptical about cryonics being used in this way. Why is that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm a work in cryobiology. I've been working in that field for 30 years and I understand how difficult it is to freeze even just normal single cells uh, successfully. Um, when you freeze cells, it's, it's a very complicated process. There are many forms of damage and we can't even successfully freeze, you know, two types of cells together, let alone a whole body with, you know, hundreds of different types of cells. So, so all the cells are going to be completely destroyed by the process. Uh, and the idea that someday in the future we'll be able to miraculously make these cells um, live again uh, is uh, very far-fetched. Gary, what do you say to that? It does depend on that idea that one day science will give us the technology to revive those cells that have been damaged in the process. What, what do you think of Gary's point of view? Well, the, the, the technology of preservation and of uh, a revival is um, advancing all the time. In fact, just uh, in February this year, uh, a company called 21st Century Medicine demonstrated that they could successfully uh, freeze and thaw a, a rabbit brain um, and have the, the neuronal structure, so the essential elements of the brain, be uh, fully intact um, under inspection under electron microscope. So that's a, a very important development that sort of provides the existence proof that the information stored in the brain can be preserved uh, even though the viability of the cells um, is is not preserved. Gary, does that change your point of view at all? Oh, no, not at all, because preserving the structure of a body of a body like the brain is, is actually relatively easy. It's preserving the structure of the neurons that make it up, that, that is a hard bit, and we don't even begin to understand, you know, the functioning of the brain yet. So the idea that we can, we can you know, the brain will have the same function after you've done that is, is, uh, is fanciful. So, Gary, do you think there's absolutely 0% chance that we'll ever have the technology to be able to revive any of these bodies or even some of these cells, or is there, or is there a slight chance? Because I wonder... What's the harm in just freezing them and seeing what happens? Uh, 
I would say there's 0% chance that if we freeze a body now, that it, it will be revivable. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, in the far distant future, the technology might be developed, which, which could go in this direction, but at the moment we don't so have So there's the a chance, there's a chance. Not for the bodies freezing now, no, zero chance. Right. Matt, you don't see it that way. No, I don't see it that way. It's very hard to put um, uh, estimates on probabilities when you have an open-ended time frame. Like, is there zero per chance of, percent chance of these uh, people being revived in the next 10 or 15 years? Then maybe. But when you're talking about 100 or 1,000 years in the future and the technologies that can be developed in the meantime, then um, I wouldn't be so uh, confident as to um, be able to rule it out. Okay, and Gary, do you think there's an element of, of capitalising on people's fear of death involved in this business? Does that, do you think there's some ethical concerns there? Uh, well, I think there certainly is. Um, it's, you know, I don't necessarily think that people are trying to scam people. I think people probably believe this stuff, but people believe lots of things that aren't true. Um, and so, but I do think it, it does um, catch up people in, you know, in vulnerable parts of their lives. And so um, I'd rather see that that money they spend on this stuff going to something useful, like, you know, maybe trying to cure the diseases that, that are killing people. Um, I guess it's interesting to think about if, if this is going to work at some point in the future, Matt, how many um, generations of staff you'll need to work at this company so all the, the agreements and the storage stays intact. It's, it's very complicated and uh, I guess there's a real range of point of views here. You've got Gary here, um, I guess, face-to-face just saying he, th- he thinks it won't work and this is complete waste. I, I don't imagine that's going to stop you going ahead with launching your company. Oh, absolutely not. We are fully aware that it's a very complex and challenging undertaking. We're being very careful about how we structure the company to make sure that it can last as long as it needs to last. Everyone who's involved is um, signed up with the company themselves, so there's no um, conflict of interest. Mm. And yeah. Matt Fisher and Professor Gary Bryant battling out there on Hack. And Stocky, since we put that story to air in August, have you spoken to Matt Fisher about how their company's going? Yeah, I caught up with them recently, actually, and they um, they had a site near Holbrook in New South Wales, and that's all going along um, really well, actually. If everything goes to plan, they could be constructing on the site uh, by next year and should have something ready to go by uh, by early 18, which would be pretty cool. You can go in there and look at the, uh, the giant thermoses that they'll be storing the people in, and they have changed their name when we spoke to them. This was Stasis Systems Australia. They've now changed it to the much easier to pronounce Southern Cryonics. Stocky, thanks so much for bringing us that story this year. Always happy to chill. Hack. Triple J.